Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today's guest is Susan Dyer. In 2017, she had a near-death experience and she encountered God. And since then, her life has changed in an instant. Susan, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I really appreciate you. And welcome. Thank you. And thank you for asking me. I got that message from you and it was very validating and deeply appreciated. So thank you. Well, that's great. All right. So my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences. So can we start on the day that you had yours? And could you please tell us what happened? Yeah, it's a doozy. Um, We're talking like multiple legs. You know, it's like, it's pretty intense. But I I have been so ill for the past year that like most of the year I couldn't even use a walker. Like, oh, the walker was like a high point in that year. And um, I was going downhill so quickly and everyone was thinking I was going to die, but no one could figure it out. And this one night, I knew I was going to die that night. Like for the for the whole rest of the year, people have been telling me that. But I was like, no, tonight it is happening. And. Um, my, my friends wouldn't leave. They kept calling in another friend to rotate in so that I, I wouldn't kill myself. That's what they were thinking. Um, you know, but as I was like crab walking up the stairs, because the night this happened, like I was in such bad shape. I was like half paralyzed, like crawl walking and so much pain, just at that point, my kids were with their dad and I had the house alone and I knew that I, I could have passed that night knowing I tried everything. Um, but halfway up the stairs that night, my guides, like I was born clairvoyant. So that means I was born being able to see multidimensionally. And that includes everything you you'd think it would from, from beings, from extraterrestrials, from angels, um, to energy lines and grids, everything. Um, and I actually wish I could allow people to see through my eyes at times, because if you could see how surrounded we are by these, you know, cosmic giants supporting us, you know, I feel like, that would be amazing. But anyway, my guides told me, you have one last chance. You need to get out of your body tonight and get help. I immediately bucked at that. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? How can I do that? I've never astral traveled on command. I've done it my whole life, but it's always just something that's happened. So 
I immediately started bratting out and then they immediately told me how to do it. It was just that simple. And my big plan for that night was to do what they said, to get out of my body. And I know how this sounds, all of it. I mean, my whole story sounds, um, it just sounds pretty extreme because it was, but it was, it was amazing. So when I popped out of my body, my plan had been nothing more than flying around until I found an angel who would be willing to give me a health bump, you know, and get me back. Like, this is how I was thinking. And so when I got out of my body, there immediately appeared. Um, it looked like, uh, you know, a gray, thick, strip, but I knew it was a tunnel moving impossibly fast. Um, and it was this dark gray color. Um, and I knew to kind of like, I had to angle my astral body in. I didn't know where it was going to take me. And ironically, it took me right back home. But at the time, I was still terrified of the dark. It took me back to the cosmic womb, to the zero point of creation. You know, the the space just before God or whatever your word is for God. The space just before that consciousness fills it with form. And that scared me terribly. And I remember immediately saying, God, please take me somewhere safe and good. And in an instant, I was like a tea bag steeped in these blazing golden rays. Uh, and that's how God presented to me. Um, and we had a wordless conversation. And what shocked me the most, I think, was realizing in the moment I had so many specific, specific word to word memories. And, and one of them was being bathed in this light and feeling viscerally what God is made of. It, it, it changed absolutely every part of my life. And um, I guess I could say he knew me far better than a best friend. And our exchange was also equally sweeping. And it was, it was kind of just like seeing the breadth and width of our exchange. I realized while in that merge, that we were one and the same. That, you know, Susan Dyer is just a little dollop of molecules tucked into this flesh thumble, you know, for the next 30 seconds, right? Um, but I was raised fire and brimstone. And so to have that realization, I, I actually 
couldn't think of a more like hubris laden or sacrilegious, you know, truth to settle in. And it was so disconcerting to me that I did not have the courage to pray about it personally for months. I mean, that's how much fear I had around that notion. Like, who am I to say that, like, while we were merged, like, I knew we were one. And Wayne Dyer would talk about this a lot. He would say, just like you'll never get apple juice from an orange, because um, what comes out is what's inside. And that's exactly how that that felt. And another interesting thing was the word I ascribed to how he felt. I'm saying he because it's just convenient, but um, more so than love, God felt like freedom to me. And this is such divine timing that you had asked me to do this, Jeff, because it was only a couple days ago that I I had some big realizations about that. Um, I had the, the actual thought while being bathed in that presence and in that consciousness, this is going to sound a little bit shocking. But I knew in those moments, and I said to myself, I could have just murdered 10 people. And I would be received exactly the same way. And in this exchange, I promised God that I would live transparently, which was my ultimate fear come true. You know, I had lived a hidden, camouflaged, fraudulent life for my entire life. And living that way had created a string of rock bottoms in pretty much every category you can imagine. Um, So the truth is is a, a big deal to me, especially, I think, for any of us on this spiritual path. Self-reflection is the key. Our answers and abilities and proclivities are accessed within. Always. Everything we always could ever need is within. Um, but after this, this exchange... He did say, do you want to stay here or do you want to go home? And I was still in the chariot of my personality. And so I was terrified he wouldn't believe me, which is the craziest thing looking back. Like I cannot even imagine. But in my humanness, I was like, I need to show God I'm serious. I really don't mean to stay here. I was just trying to get help. I never imagined I'd end up with you. You know, um, 
And so I threw up a, an IMAX sized photo of my two boys. And I was like, I want to go home. And then here's a super nerdy next reaction. I needed to show God how serious I was. So I started like hand over hand pulling my silver cord, like pulling myself back to my body. And again, I had that specific thought that I remember, which is like, wait, where are we right now? And and how many like even trillions of years would this take? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I knew it was ridiculous. Um, but I only got a few hand pulls before Jesus appeared before me. And he asked me with his hands out like this, and he was dressed like you would imagine, like he's often depicted. And he was disturbingly hot, if I'm honest. Okay. I was really, I was like, okay. Um, and he, he put his hands out like this and and he just asked me do you want to get well and I grabbed both his hands and we went flying flying through some kind of dimension or corridor filled with every shade of green you could possibly imagine and and for those of you who know about energy um, and energy medicine, green correlates with the heart chakra and is often associated with healing and emotions uh, and Archangel Raphael. So we went flying through this dimension and at the end of it, he asked, is there anywhere else you would like to go? before returning home. And I said, yes. I wanted to go to the spaceship where one of my lifelong guides resides. And um, I had never seen this guide of mine as anything but a very specific shape of colors. But I I knew in that moment, in these conditions, that somehow he could manifest himself a bit more physically and I could have that experience of doing what I did, which was hugging him and just crying with joy. Um, And after that, I woke up I sat up right away and my Laura Ashley cane was right there next to my pillow as it always was. And I just, I just looked at it and I, I knew I wasn't going to need it. Like, I mean, right then and there. And I didn't. However, I have to let you know 
so crazy. What happened was a miracle. I mean, they were about to start chelating my blood. There was there was so much iron in it. And all of a sudden, my labs came back crystal clear. And my doctors, you know, were stupefied. And um, I guess you don't know me that well, but sometimes I do get a little feisty. So I, I had a little bit of fun with that, let me tell you. Um, but my health just absolutely transformed. And then about two weeks later, it completely went downhill again. And I would say that at, at the time, that was the most infuriated I'd ever been with my conception of spiritual friends and family and source itself. I thought the first near-death experience is what people write books about and they build their career off of it. And I, I did not know that there would be years following of this illness. And um, I've just come out of, I've just come out of it actually. And last year I spent closer to death than life too. And I'm able to channel effortlessly now. It, it's like breathing to me. And and I do, I do know, I've asked Source specifically, you know, what, what does all this mean? It happened this way. Like, it seems like there could have been a softer, easier way. And, and the, the one thing that really stuck or struck me was sort of saying, you architected it this way because you never wanted to teach by theorizing. You wanted to offer lived, tried and true experience, those experiences that helped you that I'm meant to be a Rolodex of human emotions. There's a Native American pro proverb where like one of the spirits hovers over the dying uh, soldiers on the battlefield and the spirit reveals the identical wounds as the man who lay dying beneath him. And I've never forgotten that story. I heard it over 20 years again, uh, 20 years ago, but that kind of wraps up how I see my calling. I have so many experiences within from the absolute absurd to the, to the most serious. Um, but that, but that Rolodex of experiences of mine is exactly how I connect the dots between myself and my clients. All right. Let me stop you there. I want to backtrack with some questions. 
Sure. Since you encountered both God and Jesus, would mm-hmm. you consider this a religious or a spiritual experience? Oh, no, definitely spiritual. I was completely shocked, Jesus. This is what I say. I, I say I love the shit out of God. You know, um, that's it. I just, I have devoted my life to that energy and that consciousness. And I, I continually remind myself, like, to stay an empty pitcher as much as possible so that as a divine receiver, I get as much as possible and as clear and as helpful as possible. Let me ask you this. I believe that generally Christianity teaches that God and Jesus are one. You know, even though Jesus is the son of God, he is still God. But you experience them as two separate entities. What is your opinion on that? I can't answer that necessarily because I don't know where source ends. You know, I visited the womb. You know, I I visited the the ultimate yin. And then I I quickly, instantly was moved to the ultimate yang. And, And I honestly wonder, is there another energy? Beneath that, where those two polarities are in union, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I actually got in a throwdown argument with my CCD teacher when I was younger about the question you just asked me. I'm not kidding. Uh, There's a multiple choice question, and we had to say God to Jesus is like. And there was like father and son, da, 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 da. and I will never forget it. I was probably 11 years old and I'm 44 today, but I, I chose the answer that said, God is to Jesus as a mirror. And she said that was wrong. That, that, you know, God is the father and Jesus is the son. And, and I was like, I, I don't believe that. I don't understand that. You know, there, there was a part of me. I had been in this world desperately trying to make sense of it while hiding it my entire life. Uh, so this has been the narrative in my head since I've ever had memories because not all of my experiences when young were pleasant. Um, But the interesting interesting thing about religion was two years after that experience, and I, I just put a video out about it, actually. I was channeling Jesus again, and he brought up my near death experience. And this, I hope will be comforting Uh, to everyone because he said plainly I did not heal you I came along for the ride Hmm. like he was there as my teddy bear 
but that I was the one who did the regenerating. It wasn't bestowed upon me by anything outside of me. And, and he then explained, but it did take that level of separation. It did require as drastic a backdrop as that for me to remember those innate healing skills. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I was curious because you got well and then later you started having problems in your life again. And I wonder, is that some kind of contract that you decided you were going to have a tough life before incarnating into this one? Or is it something else? Yeah, that's well, one of the answers. Yeah, God, God answered me directly on that one. I Ever since coming out of this second year of, of being very close to death, suddenly I'm getting like non-Confucius answers. Finally, you know, I'm like, why couldn't we, why couldn't it be like this the whole time? Um, because like when I was little, for example, one of the energies that was following me constantly was super slow moving. I couldn't see through it and was this like undulating crimson red. So being at church, X many times a week. And between the experiences or lack thereof of my parents, I concluded it was the devil. That's the best job of putting the pieces together that I could do by the age of five. It must be the devil. And I must be so bad to have him stalk me and yet I didn't know why and that's why I say like I hated myself since kindergarten because I had conscientiously made the decision for survival I did not want to be excommunicated by anyone further, especially my parents. And I did not actually bring it up with them again until high school when I broke down and I, I really, I did demand, I, I demanded my mother take me to the eye doctor. I, I just had to know um, that it, it was just, I had to know what was going on. And so to hear that my eyes were functioning perfectly actually was a great relief to me, you know, because it, to me, it meant you're not crazy. You are seeing what you're seeing. You know, it's, it's not because there's like a tumor pressed against one of your temporal lobes or something. And, um, yeah, what it's been a rough go. Yeah. What type of realizations or aha moments did you get from this experience with God that made you reevaluate oh, your whole so life? 
Well, you know, first of all, I I had gotten uh, sober at this point when when that near death experience happened. Um, I was seventeen years sober, and I had been seventeen years into the practice of meditation and self-inquiry and like I mean you like just on my couch alone you know I'm like I've got this book another book there you know several tarot decks like I would just I've read so much over the years trying to make sense of this but I would say that I thought God was a vague yet loving presence. So when I when I was with him and I felt what he was made of, the first thing that shocked me was how intimately he knew me. And it was in that visceral reaction that I came to understand the most radical truth of mine, which is my belief that each and every one of us is divine, is God. God is the tube of toothpaste. And when you squeeze the tube of toothpaste, toothpaste comes out and that's us. And this is, is very opposite to a lot of organized religions in which they're, there's a hierarchy of sorts and there are some people perhaps better qualified to have a mutual discourse than others when in my view and in what I teach is that a connection with God is our birthright because it's what we're made of in all the cosmos. There's only one medium, all of it, all of it and all of the nothing of it. It's all God. And that would that was the hardest part for me because I thought, how am I how am I going to make good on my promise to God to live transparently and come out of the spiritual closet knowing what it is I felt, which is we are one and the same. How am I going to say that? It it was so overwhelming to me at first. And thank God I did not do it all at once. You know, it took me a long time to get up and running. But um, to know that fear is a man-made contraption, I knew that up there. That was also huge. That there was no real purpose to it that it was as silly as burning money, that we are we are physically, if you could see, 
you know, in the room that you're in. You could see just like infinite swaying, finely drawn energy lines. It almost looks like there's like a current flowing through them. And then in this, this I call the soup, you, you'd see all of the, the many immaculate, amazing celestial beings who are eternally flanking you. Does that make sense? And I do wish everyone could have that experience because I think a lot of us who are interested in these topics, a lot of us as kids or maybe even still today, I think we've always known, maybe we've been a little a little different or not quite, you know, we don't quite fit the normal mold, if you will. There is such a thing. And um, I've also noticed there's a sense of homesickness, something that feels like homesickness for a lot of us. And I do believe that's because there are so many facets of earth life that that make no sense. Like I remember reading over 20 years ago, Neil Donald Walsh's book, Conversations with God. And it was such a simple simile, but he compared an advanced civilization to a tree. And he said, can you imagine a tree whose branches are warring? Like how nonsensical is that? And, and he meant that as, you know, you know, to compare to the wars of our world of the modern day. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And I kind of, expanded on that thought too because god is god god is and is immovably so there was not a flicker of reaction from him during this exchange and trust me i was acting insane i was wild with fear couldn't believe anything was happening and so scared that I was going to be forced to leave my kids. And um, and none of that came to pass, but it's just been, it's just been, uh, I think since, I mean, even since the age of three, I've been trying to figure this out. And it's only lately that I've even realized Figuring it out is what fails me every time, but it's still my habit, you know. Would you say God is, was he parental or was he brotherly, um, you know, with him? So Did he give the you- reason I say freedom that, no, yeah, because he just, he presented solely as blazing golden rays. And, and I remember thinking again, memory bubble, I remember thinking, 
if I had my skin on, my eyeballs would be like, you know, crackling fried eggs, you know, like I, I had that thought, like the, the glory and the brilliance of these beams of light were, were blindingly intense, but I was in my astral body and could not be blinded. Um, but the reason he felt like freedom to me is what I just put together not more than three days ago. Because I kept going back to that. Why freedom? Why do you, why was it that I, I, I viscerally felt freedom far more than, say, love, which is what you would expect? And then I, I heard on YouTube one of Alan Watts, uh, you know, a portion of one of his talks. And he speaks of freedom being able to be who you really are. And in that moment, in merger with God, it was the first moment in my life where I was unconditionally unconditionally loved and accepted and I remember thinking such a feeling should be dense and heavy and yet instead being in the presence of genuine unconditional love it felt lighter than air it reminded me of that scene in the movie bodyguard way back in the day when uh kevin costner takes this gorgeous thin silk scarf and drops it and the sword it just slices off the sword i really like how you said that fear was just man-made and it was kind of pointless. I thought that was very deep and I just found that was very interesting that, you know, fear is just maybe something that we make up in our minds and that's really no need for it at all. Yeah. And I actually, lately my guides have been talking to me about uncertainty and how many adults in particular get very anxious when a question mark is involved. And Source had been saying to me during this one channeling, because my family and I, we all thought I was going to die last February. And, um, and I asked Source, I was like, you need to tell me how many more days do I have to put up with this before there's a change? You know, I can make it. I can make anything happen if I just know there's an end date. And he said, give me two months, which just blew my mind because I know that God does not need two months, you know? So I knew it had to do with something on my end with receiving or some such 
And he said, your job is to golden key your health like your life depends on it. And all that means is whenever a fearful or negative thought about something crops up, you immediately supplant it for one of God. And so it was my job over the the next two months to do this like my life depended on it. And I was so locked in obsessive fear that it took that long to create enough openness for spirit to, to, to come in. When we, we, are, we are such powerful creator gods, we don't realize it. So when we're fixated on our way or our preference, it's as if we're telling our team, hands off, I've got this, which will always be respected. So in that answer, give me 60 days, that was for my benefit. He knew it would take me 60 days to, to get to the point where I was golden king at the level needed. Do you feel like you're still having to manage all the after effects from this near-death experience? No, not at all, because I've lived this way every day of my life. Um, I see beings all the time, angels and elementals and... um, You know, my dreams have always been lucid. I've always got a couple of radio stations of Claire audience going on in my head, which which actually I think my boys probably suffer from the most because I'm very sensitive to noise. And I actually just realized it's because of that, because there's like, and it's something I'm working on now. Like I had to work on, for example, Jeff, When I came back from that first near-death experience and I knew to my bones fear was a man-made contraption, it felt so incongruent to still be afraid of the dark. And so um, I put myself through an initiation of sorts. I would go into a bathroom. I did this for a few weeks. I'd go into a bathroom, shut the door, so that if I panicked, I could always just quickly open the door and daylight would come in. But for several weeks, I would sit on the closed toilet and meditate while staring straight ahead into the mirror. I usually do it with my eyes open so I can clairvoyantly see everything that's going on. And I knew I had to do that until my fear of the dark neutralized. Because having such an incongruency felt... It just stuck out horrendously. 
you know, having something like that, that, that is, that was so opposite to what I did know to be true. And the culmination of that was exactly my worst fear. Um, And I knew that would come. But by that time, I also knew exactly what to do. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever had the honor of being a part of. There was a piece of me. And many people have reported seeing, you know, some shadow men, glimpses of shadow figures. Mm -hmm. It's pretty common. And in this instant, this shadow figure was looming as tall as my bathroom. Huge, absolutely huge. uh, A coal black figure, kind of generally humanoid, but more in the shape of a smoke human. And he came right up beside me and put both his arms around my neck. And I was prepared for this. I always knew at the end of my initiation that I would face my greatest fear. And so that was really helpful because it actually clarified my greatest fear. So I could articulate, I was afraid that other spirits or angels or anything floating in the ether could possibly drain my life force. And I'd never been able to articulate that before. But what I did do in that moment was not panic and go immediately into, I am you, you are me, we are one. We are unconditional love. Wrapping something like that in a space of love knowing what God felt like. That seemed the only path strong enough to deal with a being like that. But like I mentioned, many people see these shadow figures, but most of the time they actually are pieces of themselves Desiring a homecoming, desiring to come home again. As children, we learn coping strategies to help us get by. But as adults, we need to review those to see, are are they still working for me? Are they helping? Are they harming? Mm -hmm. And that all kind of ties into that self-inquiry and and knowing yourself and being honest with yourself about it. That was something that was hard for me. I did not want to admit um, certain truths of my life 
which I mean, I walked down the aisle to get married with a man I knew didn't even like me. Mm. Not even as a friend, but my self-esteem from hiding myself and from um, believing I was unlovable and bad. By the time that near-death experience came around, I just had 41 years of ridiculous, unexplainable disaster. And following this experience, I understood at once why every single bit of my life happened and that it had always been divinely timed and divinely architected. But from my small, low vantage point here as Susan Dyer, I can see but a centimeter before me. And that's why I try today to really keep empty of self enough so that my personal preferences and uh, opinions don't block out the guidance of someone who's infinitely, impossibly wiser than I am. I try to always keep in receiving mode, even when I'm doing. I'm going to switch gears on you. You mentioned yeah. you mentioned that one of your guide was a non-human intellectual being or alien, and he lived on a starship, and you went there. Can you describe what the ship looked like and what your guide looks like? Yeah, so... This guide of mine, I've always called him Perry. And um, for anyone watching, I, I do want to say this. Names do not matter at all. Um, it's just important to get to know and familiarize yourself with whatever energy signature it is. Names are something humans like. It makes us feel... We're more organized. We're more in control. But um, this guide I've called Perry, I knew existed in or as a light body. But I don't know how I knew this. But I knew if I went to the one ship, uh, there were, there were, there were times as a child when I would go places. Um, I, I would have visits and I would go places and I did not want to. But there was a constant back and forth that happens still today to one specific ship where I have a mantis guide I call table because there was always a table and and uh, he was always taking care of me. And, um, and Perry, 
I knew somehow, because I was in my astral body, I knew that he would be able to reconfigure his light body into something seeming like like a human. So Jesus flew me up to the whole of this spaceship, and it was massive. And there was a side door, you know, a large, like almost like those very large rectangular doors coming out of cruise ships. Kind of reminded me of that. But he, he flew me right up up there and just to the left of these bay doors was a massive coat of arms or um, kind of like an origin snapshot of the crew, the ship, and its mission. And it reminded me of medieval times when you know, each family or each house had its own coat of arms and you could tell like who belonged to what clan. So Jesus had me, had me read that whole um, selection. And it was just, it was really, it was really awesome. I mean, he just said, is, is this, is this the right place? And I was like, yep, that's it. That's it. And, um, and then there really is no travel time, you know, on the other side, a thought is a movement. So I was immediately inside and you'll need to take this symbolically. Uh, I don't know what your natal chart looks like. I'm 80% Aquarius and Aquarius energy is very archetypal and all about symbology. So this next part was a symbolic leg of the journey, but it looked like I was browsing through a NASA gift shop in the 50s, like looking at all the little tchotchkes and and there was an every dad. That's what I called him. Um, my father during the weekend would wear these dorky Wrangler jeans and a, and a flannel shirt. And he would love to do landscaping and that outfit just bring brings back like my warmest memories of my father. And so I was in the shop and I knew the shop owner. I knew that was Perry and he looked exactly like he could have been my dad's best friend, like same outfit, same body, just a different face and, and every dad. And so I waited politely for this other guest to stop chatting with him. And then I just ran over to him and we hugged like crazy. And I was just weeping with joy. And I don't remember anything following following that. The next thing I remember is coming to with the full knowledge of wholly not needing my walker or cane. 
Do you think the realm beyond this life or the dimension beyond this life, all kind of beings exist there, whether it's angels, Jesus, God, aliens, it's, you know, like, it's kind of like the bar in, in Star Wars. There's just all kinds of yeah. beings everywhere. Do you yeah. feel like that's how it is once you get out Absolutely. of the body? Yes, for sure. Um, for anyone who is uh, heavily into meditation, you know, Edgar Casey used to talk a lot about intention setting. And before you meditate, And before you go to bed at night, those are two great times to ask the question. And then either listen or, you know, observe while meditating for an answer or have it placed in your dream that night. There are so many ways for us to proactively co-create synchronicity. And I think it's a disservice when when it's presented as like a passive sport. Like, oh, I'm I feel disconnected from my guides. I, I can't seem to catch any of their clues. It's like, no, you can't be disconnected from your guides. Your primary guides are you. 99.9% of you is anchored in spirit. So any spiritual disconnection is impossible. But it can seem that way because life on earth is quite heavy and quite convincing. (laughs) All right. Unfortunately, we only have so much time. But before we go, I want to let people know about your YouTube channel because I believe that's where I fought. I found you. And so what is your YouTube channel called? Okay, so it's Susan Dyer, D-Y-E-R, 1111. Okay. And that's my Instagram handle too. It's pretty easy to remember. Do you have a website? I do. Uh, SusanDyer.com. Okay. And you can book individual sessions there. And I also teach interactive classes and guided meditations on patreon.com. We have like ask me anything check-ins where you can ask about your own personal practice. And then the patrons vote. What do they want me to teach next? Or what being should I channel next? And it's a, it's a beautiful community. So I encourage anyone who's interested to please come check it out. I believe you mentioned you're working on a book. So what projects are you working on right now that you want us to know about? Well, I am, you know, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't finish that book. And it was because I needed to go through this round two. Um, Going through this, you know, last February, thinking I was going to die again, you know, collapsing like somebody shot me. Like my kids would just find me splattered on the ground. My brain would shut down. No one knew it was happening. And um, I couldn't get the rest of the book done. But I realized 
that at the end of this round two, my very last worst fear came true, which was losing my two last friends, one one of whom was my best friend for 18 years, and the other was a very close friend of mine for about 12 years. It was my very last worst fear come true. And it took me many months of grieving, many months of grieving. Um, But ironically, at the end of it, there was a night where I just, I'd been sobbing so hard all day. And at night I was trying to go to bed and I just doubled over just an emotional pain. And when I stood up, I just felt this immense body-wide gust of wind. And so I immediately looked into the mirror to see if my hair was moving um, and it wasn't. So, and the feeling I had was indescribable. I'd never felt anything like it before. And so I quickly asked, what is this? And Wayne Dyer said, immediately, he said, you dropped your last attachment. And then Archangel Michael followed up immediately with no inner resistance. Mm. And he has actually since kind of um, expounded on that. And he just recently described and simplified stress for me, which I deeply appreciate. I'm so highly wound. But he said, all stress is inner resistance. And something about the simplicity of that has really changed the way I'm able to operate. I seem to have a higher threshold when it comes to uh, the spectrum of panicking. Yeah, that was interesting. All right, before we wrap it up, do you have one last message to share with the audience? Yes, I do. And that is, it doesn't matter what you've done or how you think. It doesn't matter how bad or good you've been. Just like a tree gives shade to Mother Teresa or Jeffrey Dahmer. God is immovably and always will be and is unaffected by the choices we make and only knows what it is, which is unconditional love, which to me, as a first-time experiencer of that, felt like unbridled freedom. So if I could do anything, if I had the power to do anything in the world, it would be to wave a magic wand and remove fear from the concept of God. 
thank you for that message. And Susan, yeah. thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you. And I wish you massive success with your book and everything else that you're doing. Thank you. You, I, you and I would be, um, I think you and I would be meeting up on a regular basis to watch X-Files in college. I get that feeling. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all of your followers for letting me visit you guys tonight. So thank you. Thank you. And um, have a great evening. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.